Hello everyone, welcome back to my solo road. It has been a minute, I know. Please don't yell at me, okay? It was for a good thing. We've been doing good things over here. Aside from the coffee and just being busy, some personal life things going on, I have hired a little bit of help for the podcast. So we have the ball rolling. Everything is great. I have lots of episodes recorded. I did not do the intro for this one before recording the episode with the guest of the day. Um, So I'm sitting in a busy parking lot right now doing the introduction saying hello. But today's episode will be with Quinn from Ever Changing Horizon. He is a travel photographer, a van lifer. He's been on the road for years, um, really as a means to get to really cool places and be able to photograph them. But he's kind of been in the game for a while. So there's a lot of things that we can all learn from him. Um, I went to his parents' house to record this episode. We had a lovely conversation. It was nice to finally get to meet him. He's one of those people that I've known online, like a lot of the podcast guests in the past have been, that I'm like friends with online for so long and then we just don't ever really get to meet because we're not in the same place. So I went to where he's currently building out a box truck, but he's living in his own sprinter van. And we had this lovely conversation. So I'm very excited for you guys to listen to it. I really hope that you are not mad at me. Please don't be mad at me. Basically, I hired my friend Bree to just help me. Basically, I was wearing a lot of hats recently, okay? As soon as I added the coffee to the mix, which I was already a little overwhelmed, I get overwhelmed easily. And once I launched the coffee, it just everything, I kind of got paralyzed. You know what I mean? Like there was too many things to do that I just did nothing. And I'm pretty susceptible to that regardless. And so yeah, that's kind of what was happening. And anyways, Brie is helping me just part-time keep things in line. But the podcast was like my main focus with her because it's kind of the thing I put on the back burner when I'm feeling a little overwhelmed or busy. And we don't have to do that anymore because we are just We're recording episodes with all of the people that I've wanted to talk to for so long. So I am drinking not wine because I had a little bit, a little bit of wine last night. So I'm just drinking an iced oat milk latte from Starbucks. Here in California, they actually have oat milk at the Starbucks. I know in Indiana and like the whole route I took from, because I ask every single time and I know whoever's thinking, why wouldn't you just make your own coffee? I, I don't want to all the time. I already made two cups of hot coffee this morning. It's probably not the healthiest thing for me to be having a third, but it is what it is. And the whole route that I took, every time I would ask if they had oat milk, they never do. But here in California, I think almost every single, I should say Southern California, by the way, all of them have oat milk, which is a blessing. Y'all know my passion for oat milk. So that is what I'm sipping on. Have your coffee, have your wine, have your water, uh, whatever you want. And I'm going to introduce you to the one and only ever-changing horizon as soon as we get back. Beforehand, though... Let's do what we always do and do a little mental health check-in to talk about BetterHelp. I, although have not been present on the podcast, I have been very present in therapy, uh, still going strong at once a week with my girl Kayla. I love her still. I have talked about this before, but I got very lucky with my first therapist that they ever provided me with. I really fell in love with her. She is like a life coach and a therapist, and so she kind of, I went into my first therapy session with her like, with goals and such like written down, what I really wanted out of therapy, whether it be emotional help or, you know, business help or whatever. I kind of just wrote those things out. I told her everything that I wanted out of it. 
And it's just been wonderful ever since. And so I do my therapy on BetterHelp. It's an online counseling platform. I know a couple of my friends have signed up and one of them did have to, like, she was given a therapist, didn't really vibe with him. So she, like, with a click, you click a button and they'll literally kind of reassess and then they'll give you another one and hopefully the second will work out. And for my friend, it did. So I think almost all of my friends are doing BetterHelp now, which I absolutely love. So if you want to join over 1 million people prioritizing their mental health today, you can go to betterhelp.com divine and use code divine for 10% off your first month. That is betterhelp.com divine. Use code divine. And okay, let's talk to Quinn. We're back with Quinn, Ever-Changing Horizon, which I actually didn't write this down, but how did you come up with that? I feel like it's self-explanatory of a traveler, but... Yeah, I guess I've kind of grown into it, but when I came up with it, well, I was actually working at a place called Anasazi, which is a wilderness survival program Uh that you take kids out into the wilderness and teach them how to live off the land and whatnot. Well, we had to stay with the kids 24 hours. We, we couldn't fall asleep on the kids, mm-hmm. basically. So I would have to stay up all night by the fire and find something to keep myself awake with. I was so freaking tired. So I had this idea that I was going to take this epic road trip, go see all the places that I've always wanted to see. And I wanted to start a blog about it, you know, write about it and document what I what I found and just realizations that I had on the trip. And so I started coming up with a name for my blog and I liked the idea of three words, just Uh the number three kind of appealed to me. So I started writing just every word that kind of came to my mind Uh that kind of defined what I was looking to get out of the trip. Horizon was one. I remember stars was one of them, like fire was one of them. I was literally sitting by the fire. So right. I kind of combined a bunch of three word names and ever changing horizon was one of those names. I sent them all to like my family and friends and just like the options of what I should call my new blog. It wasn't an Instagram account at that point. Uh-huh. And ever changing horizon was like unanimously chosen. Wow. So that is the really long story of how I No, I like it. <laughs> when was that? Well, that was 2014, early 2014, yeah. Okay, long mm-hmm. time. Okay, so how has everything been with COVID and traveling? I know how it's been for van life, and I've talked about that. And I know, I mean, we'll get into your van stuff as well, but as, like, somebody who does go international often, I'm guessing it's changed a lot. It's been a lot of Mexico. <laughs> it's really? Been, yeah, I've, I've gone to Mexico, like, four times. Mexico and obviously cruising around the United States on the West Coast up in Pacific Northwest for a little bit and Utah for a bit too. But honestly, it hasn't felt that much different. I've still been relatively active, but the biggest difference is that I converted my van. I took six months like from the first chunk of COVID to convert my van. Uh And then, you know, starting September or something, I started traveling again. And I took a few breaks here and there to go down to Mexico when I was converting my van. But yeah, I guess that's the biggest thing with COVID is it's really just pushed me into van life harder. Yeah. It's given me an excuse to stop traveling because I've been doing it for like six years now. I was kind of burnt out on the go-go mentality. Yeah. And really just start drawing different designs for vans and, and bringing that to life. Yeah. So, what van are you in right now? Give us the one, specs. One number? 
Well, oh, yeah. Gotcha. Right now, I'm I'm in a 144 Sprinter high roof four wheel drive. So nice with flares. With flares, yeah, with flares. There's a so roof that, rack on there. Yeah, and what's the company? Tiny Watts roof rack on the top. Oh, I love Tiny Watts. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, they're solid. Yeah, it's it's been pretty much like a no compromises build. So the best components I can imagine, you know, like mm-hmm. dream components rely on batteries, which sounds like you have too. Yeah. I just, you know, I didn't want to compromise at all on this. And I had a lot of time in quarantine to to reach out this mm-hmm. time because my other builds, I was kind of juggling between photography jobs and whatnot. So I didn't yeah. have enough time to like really put my, my all into the build. This time I just fully focused on the van and it turned out good. Like, there's really nothing I would change. I've been in it for about six months now. Yeah. How did you, it's very Japanese style, which we talked a little bit about earlier, but this one I feel like is pretty Japanese inspired, I should say. Mm-hmm. And then you're also currently building out a box truck with a friend mm-hmm. that you say is also Japanese inspired. So how did that come to be? Is that just an aesthetic that you like? Well, it's partly an aesthetic that I like. I'm always looking for simplicity in my life and mm-hmm. never seem to find it. Like, okay. it's always just this dream. Like, I remember when I took off on my first road trips, like, oh, I'm just going to take off and it'll be great, you know, but for some reason, complications always happen. And uh, I like the idea of just surrounding myself with as simple of, of architecture and design as possible mm-hmm. because I can't fully simplify my life. Might as well just like bring it in in a very literal way. Right. You know, so it, maybe my mind feels a little bit more at ease when... I have that simple monochrome, you know, feel or whatever. Yeah. But no, I, I've been to Japan. I love their philosophy. They have all these really cool, like, just terms that they use to define their culture. Mm-hmm. Like wabi-sabi and kanso, and I, I could go off What do those it, mean? So wabi-sabi, oh man, I'm not the right person to, to quote this word for word, but okay. wabi-sabi to me is like, it's like embracing imperfections. Uh-huh. So like, you know, like these knots on your wood right here or whatever. Yeah. Just kind of embracing like the imperfection and kind of seeing it for the beauty that it has. And Kanso is just the the overall minimalist design that Japan has. It literally means elimination of clutter or simplicity. Uh-huh. And then one that I really, really like is Ikigai, which is... It's, it's this really deep concept that they kind of define themselves by where it's combining different aspects of your life. Man, it's kind of hard to explain. It's like I've seen it on online with like those like circles that come together, like intersect together. Yeah, yeah. There's like four circles. Well, what are those called? Is like a Venn diagram? Did I just make that up or is that what it is? <laughs> I know exactly what you're talking about. Know, that could be it. It's the two circles that like they intersect. Smart, right? I know. <laughs> I know. But, uh, <laughs> yeah. No, like, yeah, like you've seen him before. So it's like combined, it's like knowing what you're good at, what mm-hmm. you're passionate about, what you can get paid for, and what others need. Mm-hmm. So combining all four of those aspects and, and realizing them and defining them for you, and then marrying them all together, mm-hmm. that's where you should be. So, like, it's, it's like for me, combining my creative aspect of photography to my love for woodworking Mm -hmm. I've had since I was a kid right and all these things kind of comes together into van life because at this point I've I've gotten into it so much and and I guess publicized it on my page that I now have people that are coming to me wanting to pay me for it 
Uh-huh. So that's one of the aspects of Ikigai. So I've kind of found my Ikigai. Love that. Uh, and that's kind of like this never-ending search. It's almost like a more tangible nirvana, you know, uh-huh. or something like that. And yeah. That's the thing. Like, Japan has all these really cool concepts that they've defined. And it's like one word that is so deep. Right. You know, that, that you can, like, study for your whole life and, like, still try to understand this one word yeah that japan has you know yeah that's so, so interesting i like i like the japanese design just for the look of it i also just don't see it very often oh I, I, it's the only band i've ever seen that looks the way that it looks yeah so i also i met this or i guess i didn't meet him i met him online this instagram account called the rai ryo van i think that's what it is okay you should check it out. It's really cool. It's very similar to my build, but it's like a stripped down version of my build. It's uh-huh. not like a full home build. It's more of just a, it has the same wood slats. Right. And and they're a little smaller and a little bit different dimensions, but super, super cool build. And it's very Japanese inspired. So uh-huh. I talked to him a little bit about his build and, and I got a lot of my inspiration from him. So Yeah. Does he have any of those like little pockets of things the way no. that you have? <laughs> that, that was my like little kid mind. Like because it was quarantine, I didn't feel very pressed for time. So was, uh-huh. those things generally happened like at like 2 a.m. I'm like, man, there's there's an empty cavity back there. Yeah. I, I don't like that that's back there. Right. Because I was the one like designing it and I knew what was possible. So like I literally like came up with this brilliant idea to like cut a big hole. Right. And then I had to figure out how to fill it up and how to do it. But like, yeah, a lot of those kind of quirks that I have in my van were super super like late at night and like self-indulgent and then the next like week was spent like oh crap i gotta figure this out right like i gotta i had this brilliant idea and all of a sudden it's not seeming like the greatest idea yeah and now six months after i finished the van they're my favorite things about the whole van so yeah that was was a good idea yeah those little things when you i met quinn a few months ago a couple months ago when was that? I don't know. I think it was um, like October. Yeah. And when I, but when I saw your van, that was like my favorite part of it because I've just never seen anything like that before. I mean, they're like little secret compartments that, I mean, I don't want to like blow. <laughs> I don't know if, what you keep in there, but I know when I saw you, it was like toiletries. So <laughs> I don't really feel like yeah. I'm blowing anything, oh, no. but I think it's, it was For just sure. interesting. I'd never really seen anything like that before. So I always appreciate stuff like that. How many van, how many livable vehicles, I guess you, I should say, have you had? So I had my, I got my first van. It was a 1985 Toyota. It's technically called a van, but I like to call it a space van because it looks kind of like a old school, like Jetsons, like, I don't know, hovercraft or something yeah. like that. It's super goofy looking. I got that for uh, pretty cheap and converted it in like two days. As in like, I literally. Two days. Yeah. I, I just like, I got a piece of board and, and put it in there like mm-hmm. on some two by fours. And I think that's about it. <laughs> like, I Did you like have, throw a mattress in there? Yeah. Like, so I basically made a bed and that was it. Like, right. I, I didn't have a vent or windows that opened or even like the smallest of amenities that we have now in our vans. Yeah. So all I did was take out the seats and put a bed in it. Uh-huh. And, and that was my first van. How much um, did you pay for that one? I think I paid about four grand. Okay. It. it was really cool looking on the outside and the inside was very like just old school minivan style uh-huh. oh yeah so I, I put a bed and curtains in that was the build because i wanted to block out the light to right sleep. so it was literally just i wanted somewhere to sleep when i was on the road right where did you take that well i had lofty ambitions at the time i wanted to take it everywhere but 
never really got that far down the road. I think I think I got to Utah once. Yeah. <laughs> and and like literally drove there in one day and the next day turned the ignition and it was like bubbling over. It was like a nightmare or whatever. We were in the middle of Utah, mm-hmm. in the middle of nowhere, Utah, and literally drove through the desert at like 10 miles an hour, hoping that it would continue to run. Ended up breaking down on the side of the road. I had to get it towed back to California. It was like a 500 mile tow or something like mm-hmm. that. It was, it was super long. So I didn't get very many places in that van. And honestly, I hated that van. I, I swore off van life and I didn't have a van for the next year. I just got like a car and called it good. Yeah. But it, it was a terrible intro to van life, I would say. Yeah, but what a like, it's a, it's a hell of an introduction to van life. You know what I mean? Like you really got the the real, yeah. I don't know, the real thing, I guess. And yeah, I mean, you stuck with it a year off of van life. is isn't really that long in retrospect, I'm sure. So you took a year off and you jumped right back in. Yeah. So what happened was on that first van, it was, it was also a big low point in my photography career where I just didn't have enough money. And, and I mean, the biggest lesson I learned from that first van is that you get what you pay for. I didn't. I dropped four grand on it and I expected the world out of the, out of the vehicle and it never really ran for me. Right. So in the next year after I sold the van was when my photography career really like started taking off. Mm-hmm. I ended up having, you know, an, enough money to afford like a legit van. So I, I had a friend who converted vans from that same Anasazi job mm-hmm. and he announced that he got like one of the shorter wheelbase sprinters and I kind of knew that that's what I wanted and, and he was looking for a buyer. So I just made him an offer and, and bought a sprinter from him. Mm-hmm. That was like the height of my photography career. So I really didn't have any time to build it myself, but I still liked the idea of having a van that actually worked. Right. And I think after a year of like being super anti-van life, I was ready to try it out again. And so I just purchased a just a pre-made sprinter that was made by my buddy on wheels is his Instagram handle. I love yeah. them. Yeah. Jason Jace. Giddy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I, I forget you're, you know, yeah. you're I'm, in the industry. So yeah. I've been around these, these guys. Yeah. I love them. They were actually, yeah. when I started van life, I mean, there was obviously a few people, there were tons of people living in vans, but there were very few on social media and our home on wheels was like one of the main ones that I could look to. It was like them. And I remember Cleo Cohen in Australia. I don't know if you've ever heard of her. Yeah. yeah I know Cleo. Yeah. And, and Mitch. Yeah. 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 They were like one of the, there was a picture that was actually the first photo I ever saw was of them in their van, their legs out and the lion's gate, like movie intro mm. they had on like the TV in front of them or a laptop or something. Yeah. And that photo, I was like, oh, it looks like they're in a van. And then I like clicked on their, her profile and I started, and I was like, wait a second, this is what she's doing. And then that kind of just obviously took me down the rabbit hole. That is three mm-hmm. years later, mm-hmm. but yeah, sweet. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, Jason Giddy, I, I walked the trail as we say with them. So I was in Anasazi, like doing the the living off the land type thing with them. Mm-hmm. So when you do that with somebody, you really get to know somebody. You know, you right. have breakdowns on the trail, and you really get to know somebody in that way. So I was good friends with them, and they came out and stayed with me in Hawaii and stuff. So when they started converting vans, that's kind of when it came on my radar that mm-hmm. people. It wasn't just like. Before them, it was kind of like my my impression of van life or living out of a van was that it was super primitive. Mm-hmm. And then all, all of a sudden they were building vans that looked like houses. Right. I was like, that's not a van. 
Right. And then he kind of like steps out the door and it is a car, you know? It's yeah. very convincing that it was like some like shabby chic, like modern, like boho, like yeah. cabana in Mexico <laughs> yeah. or something like that. You yeah. Know? And I was like, wow. Yeah, I see those on the road all the time. Those like ghetto looking like delivery vans. Right. It's pretty crazy that you could disguise something like that into like such a beautiful home. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, that's when it became on my radar and I had saved a little bit in photography. And I I think he sold me that one for like 40K. It had like, I want to say like 160K miles. Mm -hmm. And it was, I mean that was a game changer. I just remember being able to stand up was like, I don't know. It, it changed the whole thing for me, being able to stand up and cook real meals on mm-hmm. the road and all that. But it was clear even like a month after I got the van that this was the right thing for me. Being mm-hmm. a photographer on the road, I was like, okay, this is like, this was the missing piece. This is going to help me stay a photographer to get inspired right. more consistently. Like, before that, it was it was roughing it in a tent. It was staying in hotels and like cutting into my profit margin as a photographer. Mm-hmm. So this was clearly like the the medium that I needed to continue in my f- photography career and not get yeah you know just bogged down by by needing to go to a hotel or sleeping in a tent. Right. But I also realized that the bed was way too big and the kitchen was oh, way too yeah. small, and I didn't have a workspace. Mm-hmm. So it was just like, man, this is so cool. I wish I could just like rip everything out and do it differently. Right. But it could be better. But I also didn't really know how to do it. Like I I didn't have those skills. So hence the next build. Right. And that's when I actually did the build. That was the first one that you really did. Yeah. That was the first one that I like, I had to figure out how to like install a water pump or like those like Like electrical and stuff. Yeah. And the funny thing is I was like very gung ho about it. I'm going to learn it. And then I just didn't have the time. I was still doing photography. I, yeah. I'm not very like handy at like watching YouTube videos and just figuring things out yeah. on my own. So I actually called up Jace, our home on wheels, and literally just flew him out or whatever. He drove out from Arizona, I think it was, and his buddy Brad, and and they came and, and helped me finish the build. Yeah. But that whole build was, uh, that was my, the first time I did like the design I knew exactly mm-hmm. how big I wanted the bed, how much space I wanted to allocate for everything, you know. So that mm-hmm. was the first time I was getting really like nitpicky and like what I wanted in my van and designing it specifically for my for my life, you know. Yeah, I think that's actually when that was the first time I ever saw who you were was when I I was following our home on wheels. And I think I mm-hmm. saw him posting a photo of like you guys having done something. Yeah, um, that's so interesting. OK, so. Uh, you mentioned a little bit of that was like the height of your photography. You were kind of able to afford a better, nicer van and build and stuff like that. Where, How did you just switching gears, I guess, a little bit? How did you get started with the photography thing? And like, how far along were you when deals started coming in where you were like, OK, this might actually be a sustainable income that I can work towards and be my life? Yeah, that's, that's an interesting comment because I don't really know what to say on that. I was taking photos like everyone else was taking photos Mm -hmm. on their phone, right? Wow. Like, that's how it started. And then I want to say that I was probably, I I probably purchased a camera in 2016, maybe like something like that. And Mm -hmm. I started getting income from it, 17. And probably my last job, which was installing alarm systems in Colorado or something like that. My, my last job that I had to take 
that wasn't photography was in, yeah, 2016. But I left that job thinking that I would go back to it. I didn't Mm -hmm. leave that job thinking I would be a photographer. It just kind of happened. Like, as in, I saved up with my last job, I saved up about $20,000 from Mm -hmm. that summer's income. And sometime between 2016 and 2017 is when I started getting jobs. I had well over 100,000 followers. Mm -hmm. What were those jobs like? like typical ads or were they having you shoot their product like for their marketing? Like what were, what exactly was the deal? Like what were you doing for them? I want to say my first job was with uh Tentry. Okay. Yep. Yep. I do. Yeah. So like I, I only entertained offers. Like I started getting offers maybe a little earlier than that, but I only entertained offers that really just made sense. And and that I like knew the company, maybe I had already worn a Tentry shirt at the time Mm -hmm. or, you know, that, that didn't really feel like an ad. It was more so like, oh, I love you guys. Right. Yeah, sure, yeah it's a good company. It. So it was kind of like, I, I think it was usually that they wanted me to take photos for them mm-hmm. and, and then also to post something. So like there was kind of like right. a, a duality of the offers. Like we need 10 high resolution images and one post mm-hmm. and we'll give you like $500 or $1,000 right. in return or something like that. So those were the first offers and just kind of kept coming from there. I think once you start posting, Mm -hmm. uh, other companies kind of see you as open for business in some ways. Yeah, I agree. Once you make that first post, you got to make it. It's pretty tough to make that first post. Kind of felt like I was selling out a little bit because it was like such a passion of mine. Right. Oh, yeah. That's how I was. I waited for so long until I ever did an ad, Mm -hmm. but I also didn't. I was, I, there weren't really like big companies or companies that I felt super aligned with doing so, or like working with until I don't even remember who the first one I did, but it truly was exactly what you said, where when I did that ad, I immediately started getting contacted by so many more brands. And then as time has gone on and I've worked with more and more, it like, it's just for every ad I post, 10 more brands will reach out. And obviously, like we said earlier, I'm saying no to most of them, but I never really understood that concept. I didn't realize that they kind of see you as like a, as soon as you start posting, they're like, oh, okay. Open for business, like sending her an email. I, I never really got that before. Yeah. Yeah. It's surprising how many people are following you that work for potential clients. You right. I'm saying like, because the people we're working with, yeah, it might be like Nike or something like that, but we're actually working with human beings that work at Nike. Right. And those people have interests and, and there's a good chance they're interested in van life and they're following you. So Right. That is so true. That's what I've realized. So yeah, no, it's it's definitely a balance of of finding the right partners for you because I think you can overdo it in the beginning and take on too many ads, right? Right, yeah, for and, sure. And when I was taking on my first jobs, there was no such thing as hashtag ad. It right. Was, like I hadn't really seen any ads. So it just felt like a scam almost. Mm-hmm. You know, like that's what it felt like to me because it's like, are you really going to pay me to like to do what I would already be doing? And I didn't know that anyone made money on social media. So it felt like kind of sketchy in the beginning. Yeah. And then after the first one, it was and after the first one happened, I didn't get any backlash and I got paid. All right. of a sudden that was the light bulb. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I was like, but like when they first reach out, it's, it wasn't like, oh, sweet. I, you know, I got a job or something yeah. like that. I was just like, what is this? Yeah. You know? But yeah, obviously that, that worked out, that paid off and I'm still doing occasional photography jobs. But right. at this point, I, I have different revenue streams and mm-hmm. stuff like that. 
So. Yeah. So we're sitting at your parents right now. Have they, how does your family feel about all of this? When you first started, did they feel differently than they do now? Yeah, for sure. (laughs) Yeah, no, I was, I mean, before all of this, I was an accountant and my parents loved that. They loved really? it so much. I mean, yeah. Just the stability I, I think of it's it. Just their personality. Like, they're not artistic and they're not mm-hmm. uh, really risk takers. They're very much like homebodies and, and kind of mm-hmm. adverse to risk. So, yeah, they loved the idea that I was going into accounting and I'd always have a job for the rest of my life. And I mean, at the time, I did too. So, I don't know if they, I still don't think they really understand what I'm doing, but they did not like that I was like taking off on long road trips and things like that. I think it's just kind of a scary thing for parents to hear. Oh yeah, for sure. You know that. Yeah. I'm like, I'm the baby daughter of my family. I mean, my parents haven't slept in three years, (laughs) basically. Yeah, I, I bet. Yeah. Like solo, just you taking off in a van. Yeah, I can imagine. Yeah. Solo female out there. For me, it was like... I, w- I was pretty extreme at the time and I was like taken off to to Peru on my own and like hiking to Machu Picchu and trekking in the mountains and stuff. Yeah. And uh, yeah, you've done some extreme things. Was, yeah, that's that's what always appealed to me for sure. Right? I would say I'm getting less extreme as time goes on. Uh-huh. In the early days when I was like 25, that was really just what I wanted. Yeah. You know, like I, I wanted to get my blood pumping and, and now it's kind of like slowing down a little bit. And I mean, I have like a nice comfortable van, so I appreciate being comfortable a little bit more. Yeah. Stuff like that. But. Yeah. I was going to ask. So as I mean, as I'm, you've obviously found a lot of success on even just Instagram and stuff, and I'm sure in other ways as well, you, it, it, Henry and I have had conversations, my friend Henry, we, we talk all the time about how you like, you show up, it seems like harder and like better than most photographers would be willing to in terms of like sleeping in a freezing cold tent and like doing the long scary hikes and like you're I don't know it just it looks as as, like looking at a photo it looks like you're like risking your life sometimes you know and I don't think that all photographers do that do you think that that's kind of what separates you from other people other photographers and other people trying to do what you do because there has to be a separation in like the success that you have found and others who are not seeing that do you think that it's Mm -hmm. just you show up a little a little harder yeah, yeah i've so. never seen a more like humble yeah it's okay to say yeah you do it, it is well, apparent I, I laugh because it's true but it's also very not true because okay. i am a pretty lazy photographer how like, so i don't get up for sunrises very often uh-huh. i don't shoot golden hour i'm, I'm actually pretty into like like harsh daylight uh-huh. most of my photography is taken like uh-huh during those hours and and I think it started because I didn't want to wake up that early you know it's kind of like a lazy photographer in some ways yeah but when it comes to getting the right angle when it comes to seeking out like different locations or even like dangerous sketchy locations that's what I want to do right for sure and and that's I mean that's the whole reason why I got into it so it's almost like, yes, I would say that that sets me apart as a photographer, but that's also just me. That's my personality. And right. Because that's what I want to do. That's what I take photos of. Right. So like maybe, you'd be doing it either way. Yeah. So maybe like you could say I'm, I'm setting myself apart, but it's also just me and maybe the photographers like my competition or whatever. Maybe that's just not them. You know right. what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. But no, I, I can can go the extra mile for sure for sure yeah once well, i like, get one in my mind i really i really don't stop until like like it. you get that shot yeah yeah exactly i'm, I'm kind of like an obsessive 
I have an obsessive mind in that way. And I'll dedicate long, long time to get one single shot. At this point, I've been doing it long enough that I have so many shots that I want to get that I've seen where they would be, but mm -hmm. I was there for the wrong season. Interesting. And okay. because I go around so much, I kind of have all these shots that are halfway done in my mind. I just haven't got them yet. Or like yeah. maybe maybe I didn't get the right condition. Like right. maybe I need a sunset for that. I or, or love, whatever. this is probably weird, but I love brains that work that way. That when you like see a location, you just see the shot that you want. Yeah, I, I feel like I, I, I'm that same way with vans, especially like when I look at a van, I don't know. I feel like I can, I come up with, I, I get very obsessive. Have you seen the Queen's Gambit? Yeah. Okay. I will like stare at the ceiling, like the Queen's Gambit, you know, like yeah. that's kind of me looking at my vans. I'm like, okay, if I could just do, I put that there and then I do this. Like, that's literally how, I, exactly how I am. Definitely. Something that I feel like doesn't, it wouldn't be as obvious as your photography because it's also a visual platform on Instagram, but it, you're like a pretty solid writer. Have you always been into writing? It's funny. I, I've always been good at writing, but terrible at reading. Okay. So like, you know how you take those tests in like, I guess, elementary school and high school? Yeah. Yeah, I've always been pretty good at writing. Yeah. But my reading comprehension is terrible. So yeah, no, I, th I think I like, I like writing things when I feel like writing. Right. But I can't just bust it out. Like I'm not a writer. I can't just like pressure myself into writing something. Yeah. If it comes to me, then it, and it's great, you know? Yeah. But I have like probably 50 unwritten captions, mm -hmm. like nuggets of ideas in my notes. Yeah. You know? Yeah, same. And, and sometimes they turn into captions. Sometimes I spend like days on them and I never actually publish it. Right. So yeah, it's, I guess the writing is a similar aspect to my photography where there's a lot of like half written thoughts. Right. And and there's a lot of half done photos where I know what the angle is. I know what lens I need. I know what time of day to shoot it at. I just didn't get the right, right. season of the year. You know, I want to get it on a fresh snow or, you know, I want to get like really high summer light to make it look really bright or whatever. You yeah. Know? But yeah, no, I appreciate you saying that. Yeah, well, because and I think a lot of photographers also, it's like, which they take beautiful photos, but their captions are usually like, I don't know, watching the sun go down on a Tuesday. You know what I mean? Like, it's very just kind of like frilly, like they clearly yeah. put a lot of effort into the photo, yeah. but they don't, because they did that, it's kind of like, eh, but there are times where you write like stories about your life or just these random things. And I think it's just unique because a lot of the photographers that I follow, I don't really know what they look like, who they are, where they come from. I don't know them at all. I just know their like skills. So it is just kind of interesting on yours to kind of even learn little things about you. I feel like that's not mm -hmm. super common. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's uh social media one-on-one though. Like mm -hmm. it really caps you out how, how much you can grow on social media without showing your face. Right. By being anonymous. You know, if you look at like all the biggest influencers or, or just personalities out there, it's because they show their face and they yeah. show their personality more so, you know? So I think you can, you can make a career as like a photographer that only shows their work, mm -hmm. but it only goes so far in today's society. Yeah. Especially um, with engagement, I think. Yeah. People sure. feel far more engaged oh, yeah. with someone they know. Yeah. And you're one that like you, you share a lot too. Mm -hmm. You write a lot and you share like your day-to-day -day details. And I think people really appreciate that. Yeah. And for me, it's it's definitely a balance where like I want to show who I am. I want to show my face. I want to show like my ideas on life. But at the same time, 
I like to keep certain things private too, just to like keep my mental sanity, you mm-hmm. know, like I've gone really hard in, in that direction, like sharing a lot. And so it's just kind of like ebb and flow for yeah, me. Yeah, for sure. Right. And I, I feel the need to take breaks occasionally and stuff like that. Yeah. And especially right now, like I'm just doing long days on the box fan. Like I don't really have much to update on. Yeah. We haven't even talked about the box fan. What, <laughs> what is it? What are you doing? What's happening? Um, Now I've always wanted to convert a box fan i just think the allocation of space is really interesting uh-huh. basically my box fan is shorter than my sprinter by one she's snoring i don't know <laughs> i don't know it's like a little high-pitched noise there. right yeah. Uh, yeah i want everyone to know pearl who's forever in my lap is currently sitting right up next to quinn which is very interesting for her she's crawling all over me yeah already. she's not she's not typically like such the social butterfly but she said forget you mom okay continue um yeah so it's just interesting i i love the idea of a shorter footprint Mm -hmm. to be able to fit it into any parking space or just turning radius and it's generally the same width and height also but the volume is considerably bigger because it's straight walls and Mm -hmm. it, it opens up just a world of possibilities for me like using hydraulic lifts right they need to be straight right they need to be like you see them used in like a sprinter or transit Mm -hmm. they always kind of create some some kind of a partition because they're going to the top of the van and then they come down and there's like this little partition i don't like putting partitions in because it's such a small space i want to keep it open right so i've never seen that as a real possibility until i look at a box van with the straight walls i can basically sink it into the wall and you wouldn't even know it's there Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's so interesting. That's actually very smart. Yeah, so it's more of like a, it's more of like a hidden feature, and I love that about it. And just overall, I, I think they're they're cool because they're so stealth. Mm-hmm. They it literally looks like a U-Haul. Yeah, it does. And once you get a box fan, all of a sudden you see like U-Hauls, like every other car is a U-Haul. Right. You're like, wow, I'm so stoked <laughs> right now. Yeah. But that's the case with any van. But I swear, there's so many of these box fans around, so nobody's looking at me. Nobody's expecting it to be a home. And I'm what I feel like that used to be the case with sprinters or transits, but now I'm seeing quite a few converted mm-hmm. vans on the road, especially during quarantine. So I really value stealth and the box fan seems to deliver on that. Yeah. And it's just going to be doubling down on the Japanese aesthetic. I'm doing Soji screens and what is that? All kinds of... So it's a classic Japanese design. It's, it's used to... They're usually like stood up on the floor to it's like a room partition. Uh-huh. It's like a retractable room partition. They're like kind of in three pieces. You can like compress uh-huh. down or, or pull out. And it's it's like white rice paper with little like okay. box shapes in it. It's just yeah. a very super iconic Japanese design. So I've I've already put a few of those in there. Yeah. yeah. What are your plans with a box truck? Do you uh, call it a box van or a box truck? What do you call it? I think... Does it matter? This is just my opinion. Mm-hmm. I think it's a box van when you convert it. Okay. Because it's kind of like... Solid theory. It's, it's like a in between a box truck and a van. Right. So it's a box van. Okay. I don't really know. <laughs> that kind of makes sense to me. But yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's not going to be a full home build. It would be more of like an office that converts into a hotel room, okay. I would say. So it's not going to have a full kitchen, but it will have a fridge and just a few little amenities, but it's not meant for like full-time living. Mm-hmm. It's going to have a massive storage area to throw like luggage and stuff. So like people come and jump in, they can kind of throw their stuff up there. Okay. So are you, are you saying that you're renting it? 
No. What do you mean? Okay, well, you said no. people can come in. Like, you know what people I mean? People as in, like, my buddy that I'm making it for. Got it. Timothy Sykes. He's all over the place. He's traveling. He lives, okay. lives out of a yeah. piece of luggage. You said hotel style, and you were like, when yeah. people just come to this, I was like, wait a second. Yeah, and I say that because, like, eventually we're going to sell it. Right. Who knows? We could rent it. Totally. But there's a massive storage area above the cab that I'm just mm-hmm. keeping open. Okay. To throw a piece of luggage up there. Right. So that's kind of like my mental state when I'm when I'm converting it. And a lot of it's just going to be designed for, for epic photos out the back. Because, mm-hmm. I mean, looking at your doors versus the box van doors, the box van is like... Are you roasting me right now? <laughs> no, like, I'm, this is just like my Sprinter, too. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm totally I'm not, kidding. <laughs> I'm, I'm not trying to hate on No, me. no, no. I'm literally completely kidding. But also, just, roast me. <laughs> just vans in general are, like, tapered. You right. You know what I'm saying? And... I'm telling you, we open up the back doors of the box fan, it's like taking away a whole wall. Yeah. It's like all of a sudden, it's like inviting the world in into your van. Right. You're going to sell and a lot of people on box vans, I feel like. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I think box vans are the way to go. The thing is, it's not cheap. Box vans are a little bit hard to get. Okay. Um, it's like, it's quite a bit harder than going and buying a trans. Why did I think that they were cheaper? They seem like they should be, but right. I think they're more expensive because they're generally used for commercial purposes. Mm-hmm. So individuals aren't buying them. Right. They're jacking up the prices because they're corporate clients, right? Right. And they're going to pay whatever they want or whatever they they need just to, right. get, to get that for their business. So I think I got this one for like 50K. Okay. Mechanically, how does it work? Like, uh, is it, it's not diesel. That probably gas. didn't sound like an intelligent way of asking it, but I hope you know what I mean. Like, yeah. is there common issues? Um, is it comparable oh, to a van? Super, super um, common motor. Which okay. Is a good thing. I, I'm sure you. That's mm-hmm. one of the reasons why transits are good too. Yep. Uh, and it's a Ford too. Mine's a right. Ford E350. Okay. Yours is a Ford Transit. So I don't think they have the same motor, but I just upon a quick quick research, like it was a really common motor. Mm-hmm. It's like a V8 or something like that. A little bit big for my liking. Doesn't get good gas mileage. I think it was getting like 12 or 13 on the way down because I, I bought it in Washington and drove it to California. Yeah. But that's kind of to be expected because it's such a big, big yeah. face. Like a, it's like a sail driving th- down the road. Right. But the front cockpit, similar to the Transit, is is really comfortable because the seats are super low. Yeah. It's See, not- a lot of people don't like that. I love it. Yeah, I, I prefer that because when I'm driving, it feels like I'm driving a regular car. Yeah. But a lot like of... a minivan kind of. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. But the Sprinter feels like a bus. And I think a lot of people actually like that feeling of, I don't know, sitting up high and it's a little bit more spacious. I would choose to be low. Yeah. The Promaster is the worst. Like my, my van before the Sprinter was a Promaster. And I literally felt like I was going through the windshield like the whole time. Really? Yeah. Just because like... I don't I'm, know that much about Promasters. I'm a decently tall person. So like... I feel like when I was sitting up in the seat, my my forehead was like right at the top of the windshield. Uh-huh. So if I ever got in a car crash, I wouldn't go forward to the windshield. I would go forward into the car itself. Yeah. So I was always like, I had a really good view of the yeah. road. <laughs> Not of the mountains or like right, whatever right. I was going to be at as a photographer. I'm in these epic places. And when I was like yeah. pulling into Yosemite, I was literally got like, the black top. <laughs> I had like my head cocked down below, like hugging the dashboard, like looking up. So it, it Oh my God, that sucks. It's really high in the ProMaster, especially when you do the swivel seats. Mm-hmm. But yeah, ProMaster is really high. And then Sprinter is pretty high. And I love the, the transit setup though. Yeah. Yeah. As someone who has gone through so many different vans, like literally just throwing the mattress and 
the plywood or whatever and curtains and stuff up to what you're doing now. Oh my God. Okay. I almost forgot my question. And then I remembered what would you like, what advice would you give to somebody who wants to do van life and doesn't think that they can afford it in their current circumstances? They could be right. <laughs> yeah. They, they very well could be right. Cause I love that answer. Cause my first van was $4,000 and it sucked. Mm-hmm. My current sprinter, I think I put a uh, 90k into it it's amazing uh-huh. so like my first van was four my next van was 38 my next van was 55 and now i'm in a 90k sprinter van i love that you were saying this nobody ever talks about money yeah and i, I don't ever i never want to ask i, I don't kind of just opened it up uh-huh. like maybe a year ago because i was just tired of people not uh, right like revealing that yeah and i'm not saying that like i sold every van except the first one for a profit uh-huh. so i'm talking about i put a good amount of work into these vans. So when I say 55, it was actually worth 90. Mm-hmm. When I say my sprinter, I put 90 in, it was actually worth 140 or something right. like that. Because of labor. Because, yeah, I'm putting a ton of time into yeah. it. Yeah. And uh, so, yeah, if somebody's saying, like, I don't know if I can afford it, it really depends on how they're approaching it. If they're if they're going to basically expect it to run perfectly every day and put it through the ringer, and if, if they don't want to deal with breakdowns, mm-hmm buy a new van like i'm i'm convinced that new vans are the way to go because not only do you not have to deal with breakdowns but the resale value is going to be quite a bit more right it's much more of an investment people are totally fine buying a van with forty thousand miles but when right. i was trying to sell my first sprinter at two hundred thousand, it was a little bit tougher right that being said i still sold it for a profit right um, well yeah especially right now during covid yeah <sighs> vans are like turning out they're they're yeah Flipping for a pro- quite the profit right now. Yeah. My good friend Katie is doing that right now. Okay, same question for photography. Uh, as like an aspiring photographer, what would you tell that person? Somebody who's trying to do it as a career. Photography is uh, way easier to do on a string on a shoestring budget. That's for sure than van life. Uh-huh. Because photography really has nothing to do with with the camera you're shooting. Right. With. What is the camera that you shoot with? I'm shooting with Sony A7R three. So yeah, I have a I have a good camera setup, and, right? And it does help. It helps to have a zoom lens and a wide angle lens and things like that. But it's definitely not needed, right? It's especially, not what you started with, especially in the beginning. Like I was using a, a Canon T two I, which was really old at the time. It's now super old with a kit lens, so like the cheapest lens you can get, mm-hmm. and the autofocus didn't work. So mm-hmm. I was manually focusing everything. Right. So I just started with like the crappiest setup possible, mm-hmm. and. I look back on that fondly, like I'm glad that I started with a crappy setup because that taught me how to focus manually because I had to, right? And, you know, you kind of adapt to what you have. And realistically, like photography is just a reflection of your mental state. So if you're feeling creative, if you have something to say, you'll say it. Like even if you have just an old iPhone, you can still say so much Uh that little piece of equipment it's much less about the equipment with van life has a lot to do with the equipment yeah that's fascinating so i do think they're kind of like polar opposites in that way yeah see because so many people would not say that but i i totally agree that's just my opinion and my experience on it yeah what is your process of taking a photo like from the moment you either i guess it'd probably be in somewhere in the middle of you actually seeing a location and having an idea but like when a photo a photo is posted on Instagram, it's the final result. How like what is the process like getting to that point from start to finish? I'm sure it also varies drastically. Oh man, <laughs> uh, 
That's the thing. Like, there's not one single way that it happens. Like, right now, I'm really into riding my one wheel. Mm-hmm. So they're fun. I've, I've produced <laughs> a lot of content on my one wheel and of one wheels, mm-hmm. just because that's like where my mind is, you know. So yeah, why do times, why do you think you like the one wheel? Because it can go off road. Mm-hmm. Like a skateboard never has really been able to go off road. Mm-hmm. I guess it's not necessarily a skateboard, but it's comparable given that it goes on land. It's not like a surfboard where it's on water. Right. But I don't know. They're they're just really fun. Like that's that's basically the best explanation that i have yeah no i think they're super fun <laughs> have you ridden them mm-hmm. yeah like even from the beginning i was hooked but that's probably because i have been a board guy my whole life yeah know, i grew up in california surfing and skateboarding and snowboarding and stuff like that so it was just like a match made in heaven like right when i jumped on it i'm like this is this is the, yeah the thing right here and really what it takes is like more people to do it with it's not necessarily i jump on it alone and have a good time it's more mm-hmm. like i go with my buddies you know yeah i've seen you a couple times like on the beach and stuff yeah yeah so back to the original question like lots of times my content isn't isn't as thought out as you'd think it's just kind of like i'm riding one wheels a lot so i'm getting videos right and, and that's what you're seeing on my page so I would say the majority just kind of comes naturally based off of something that I want to do. And then I kind of just have my eye open and my camera ready. If something does happen, like I have this backpacking trip that I've been wanting to do for a long time and hopefully I can do it this year. I'm mm-hmm. going to have my camera ready, but I don't necessarily really know what shot I want right now. Mm-hmm. I'll just be, have my eyes open and ready whenever it comes. Right. And then there's other shots that are years in the making for sure that like I want a certain direction of the sun shining through this Mm -hmm. arch that creates a light ray, you know, Mm -hmm. in in a certain place. And so, yeah, some some shots are are years in the making. Other shots are right in the moment and just happen naturally. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's kind of tough. Like when you ask about a process, like every shot, if you, if you held up a photo and asked me about the process of that shot, I could definitely give you a straight answer, Mm -hmm. but every shot is like its own story. You know yeah. What I'm yeah, for sure. Do you have a, a favorite way? Like, do you think that the results are ever better either way, whether it's in the moment or pre-planned? I think it's all about diversity. Uh-huh. Like, I don't like having a common way that I get photos. Like, yeah. if I if I spent a lot of time on this one and I eventually get it, that's awesome. And then I want to like spontaneously get another shot at a certain point. I just like this the switch up mentality, kind of uh-huh. like always being ready and and but also being willing to like dedicate a long time to a certain shot because those are a lot of the times the shots that i am most passionate about because so much of me went into it right you know so yeah that's that's kind of the beauty of photography whereas van life is like really well thought out right out like just kind of yeah a lot more structured kind of yeah do you have a do you have a favorite shot in mind favorite picture you've ever taken i would say or most even proud of yeah, I would say my favorite shots are the most unique, like the ones that I can't recreate, mm-hmm. even if I tried. So there's one of me backflipping. This was like back in 2016, summer of 2016, mm-hmm. backflipping a waterfall and have a supai and in. Arizona. Oh, I want to go there so bad. Yeah, it's epic. So cool. If you can get out there, I would definitely yeah. recommend it. But I was getting ready to do this flip. And a rock fell on the other side of the canyon because it's like really narrow canyons. Right at the same time? Yeah. So it fell and it was really loud and it was kind of scary. Uh-huh. And me and the girl I was with were like, oh, 
like, good thing I didn't jump. And then we kind of watched as the rock fell and it hit a bunch of sand and like kind of created this dust cloud uh-huh. and some other, a few other like little rocks were falling. I was like, all right, all right, you ready? And I did the flip. So it was like I was backflipping into like a dust cloud yeah. landslide. So it was just like, it's very uh, conditional shot. Right. I've never seen a landslide in Havasupai. I've been like five times now. Yeah. But I happened to be there ready to ready to go for the shot when it happened. Yeah. So that's that's kind of the definition of like a really cool shot for me. It's mm-hmm. just like a really unique moment. Yeah. Like cannot recreate it. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. How did you, this is so random. How did you, and how, why was it so good? Your Napoleon Dynamite day of fun. Like what was that? Where did it come from? Also, it just, it was like the best acting I've ever seen. <laughs> Honestly, I it was so funny and it was so different than what you obviously are usually doing. Yeah, and that kind of goes with what I was just saying. It's, like, <laughs> it's diversity. Yeah. Like, diversity is how I've lasted this many years uh-huh. on social media where you're kind of always like putting yourself out there and you, maybe you have expectations that like it, social media has a lot of downsides. And I think you talk about it on this uh-huh. podcast. A lot of people have talked about it. So just switching things up like that, it's, it's really what I need. Like, And I just love that movie. Yeah. So. For context, was it for Halloween? Yes. yes for Halloween, yes. Quinn, like... really weird. Right, just like on a Halloween. random Saturday. That's just what I wear. He dressed up like Napoleon Dynamite, but it was... I think you did your one wheel. Yeah. I think so. And rode the one wheel, but the, the, like your face, it was like you morphed into him as just a personality. And oh my God, it was, it was just so good. Yeah. Perm my hair and everything, right? Yeah. So my hair is like exactly the same color as his. So and I think that's what worked. Yeah. I think in a caption at one point, I actually didn't remember this, but Henry did that. You had talked about at some point that you had always been like different growing up, like childhood wise, creatively in some aspect. Can you like speak on that a little bit? Do you think it kind of led you to where you are right now? I think I had an exceptional childhood in terms of I was raised Mormon and I was raised to fit a very specific mold mm-hmm. told to do very specific things. I think we all relate to that to some extent, right? But it felt a little bit more extreme for me. Like from the ages of 19 to 21, I went on my mission mm-hmm. to the Mormon church, which was just kind of expected of me. I didn't really see it as an option or anything like that. Mm-hmm. So I just kind of grew up being told what to do and, and had this really like burning desire to like break out and not do what everyone was telling me to do. Uh So it's, it's really like, I don't know if it's something I was born with or, or just resistance to how I grew up or whatever. It's not like I wanted to do like bad things or anything like that. I was just Uh tired of people telling me exactly what I needed to do and what I had to do. And I mean, I've always kind of wanted to be an adventurer, like go climb mountains and, and go on hikes and take really long road trips and, Nobody in Southern California wanted to do that. Uh-huh. So I always felt like I had these these things that I wanted to do, but everyone else was just stoked to like play uh-huh. football. And I don't know, just everyone was really into like socializing and stuff. And I, I never yeah. was good at that. Yeah. Everybody um, listening knows it's exactly how I am. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So when I, when I would try to socialize, nothing ever came out right. It was like, maybe I liked some girl or something. Uh And I tried to talk to her and like in my head, I was building it up and building it up. And then I said like two words and I was like crushed because she didn't understood what I didn't understand what I said. When in all reality, I didn't even say what I thought I said. Right. Because I was so nervous. So like a few times, like I would like 
try to socialize and then it went so terribly that I just kind of like went into myself mm -hmm. and I started to get really creative and uh, I don't know, like decorating things and like I couldn't yeah. really express myself with my words. So I started to wear ridiculous stuff to school because I, I couldn't say it, but I would wear it. Yeah. You know, so I actually went through the decades as like like my freshman year, I was 70s. Mm -hmm. So I had I permed my hair. I only <laughs> wore bell bottoms. Yeah. And like long collared shirts like my bell bottoms were like butt tight, mm -hmm. like gnarly bell bottoms. <laughs> And like this, this was in like the early 2000s. This wasn't the mm -hmm. 70s. I'm not that old. Right. So <laughs> it was like it was like a, th a throwback anytime anybody saw me. Right. I just wanted to make like the ultimate statement with what I wore because I yeah. couldn't say what I wanted. You know okay. what I'm saying? So I went from 70s to 80s and then I had a full on flat top mullet, shaved sides, super long hair in the back. And I would like <laughs> chew on it in class and like. Ew. Wore, wore sunglasses <laughs> like when I refused to take them off. You know, yeah. like I was just the kid in the back chewing on his mullet. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> and then like just '90s grunge. '90s was cool because I had old clothes from my older brothers. Mm -hmm. I had older brothers are like 12 years older than me, and my mom happened to save their favorite shirts. So I had mm -hmm. all these like legit like Michael Jordan like super crazy colored shirts like grungy '90s. Yeah. So '90s I was the most prepared for but yeah i went through the decades wow that's kind of amazing yeah so i've like i've always felt different as in like i've always done kind of extreme things for attention right. <laughs> i would say yeah yeah well how did you feel because i mean it sounds like you had like a, a little touch of social anxiety which we've talked about in detail here but like so were people making comments about what you were wearing and stuff did that phase you or did you kind of like that? Is that what you were looking for? So I wasn't confident. Like, right. I, think, I think we've gone into that. But when I started wearing those things and, and changing my hair in those extreme ways, I came off as confident. Oh, okay. And, and I never said anything. Like, I didn't have the words to back up my, like, street cred, like, all my clothes. Mm -hmm. So when I didn't say anything... All of a sudden, it made me look more confident. Yeah, it was like the silent I intimidation. Was like too good for these guys or something. Like, <laughs> oh my God, I, I love that. Like, I was just like, <laughs> please don't talk to me. Yeah, like, <laughs> just running out of there, you know? But uh, yeah, no, so sorry, what was the. Was the I don't remember. Some uh, like being different and stuff, but I don't remember yeah. the exact. I don't know. You're asking the wrong person. I forgot my question a few minutes ago. I'm. My memory is absolutely terrible. I was I was a weird kid in high school, and and that's the thing. Like I was I was I kind of leaned into that weird in high school, and then I went on my mission, and I I learned how to conform. I would say. yeah, in so, the healthy way or unhealthy way. Debatable. Like it really made me more well rounded as a person. I would mm -hmm. say, and my person nowadays really uses both of those personas mm -hmm. that I figured out. So on my mission, I had to wake up at 6.30 every morning and go to bed at 10.30 every night. I had like a strict regimen, like every hour. And this is two years straight, every single day, mm -hmm. very strict, like military-esque schedule, right? Hated it in the beginning. By the end, like I really actually thrived on it. Right. So I... I was the most productive I've ever been in my life on mm -hmm. my mission. Towards the end of my mission, once I like accepted it and realized that it was actually a pretty good way to go. Yeah. So that was super valuable in the end because I am pretty structured now. Like I, yeah. I have a lot of both of those sides of me. 
and that's that's what's made me successful as a uh-huh. as an influencer is like I know how to be different I know how to like kind of out of left field throw a Napoleon Dynamite reference out there yeah but what you don't see is that mission side of me that like runs my business yeah you know what I'm saying yeah and my accounting side that runs my business. Yeah. So like, I've never had an agent. I don't work with anybody. I'm a one man show. I was just and about to ask, do you have like any help? No, I don't. And and that's, I'm able to do that because of that side of me, that mm-hmm. my, my mission aspects and accounting and, and all. Yeah. That, you, know? you used the word influencer a second ago. Do you, do you like identify with that word? Are you good with it? Something um, about it always just, I'm always like. Totally. Yeah. I, don't no, know. I think most people don't like it that I know, but I don't really care. Like I'm an influencer, a photographer, a van builder. Like I can, I can be more than one thing. And yeah, like, for sure. I'm like a photographer influencer and, and that's fine. Like I charge brands because of my reach on social media, which is kind of the definition of like influencer. Yeah. for The thing is, yeah. it is the word. It's this like connotation though, where people, when they're like, so what do you do? And I'm just like, what do you, I, it's so difficult for me to put in a concise, like digestible way for the easiest way to not say influencer is like digital marketing, digital marketing, or advertising. Okay. Or, you know, you right. Take, you take photos too, right? Well, yeah. It was so the, you, you are a photographer. Like you're right. taking the f- photos that you're posting. and Yeah. Well, and it's like, you know, sometimes if I have 15 minutes to talk to somebody and it's like a good conversation, then I feel comfortable going into detail. But it's like that person you run into in the dog park and they see me in the van or something and they're like, so what do you do? I'm just like, okay, I only have 30 seconds to give you some weird rundown of like, mm-hmm. I do social media. Okay. What's that mean? I I take photos. <laughs> like, what do you want me to say? Yeah. I mean, I talk about having so, a website and a podcast and doing things like that as well, but mm-hmm. it's hard to uh, narrow it down in like a, mm-hmm. in what sounds like a mature answer. I, I end up just feeling like I'm 18 years old trying to explain something yeah, silly. Totally. Well, if your main revenue source is, is Instagram, you are advertising, right? Right. It's, there's no stretch in saying that I'm in advertising. Mm-hmm. Like I advertise. Yeah, that's so true on my page. Right. So it could be online marketing or advertising. And I think that's, that's kind of like the answer. That's kind of like a lame answer. Cause it's so open-ended and then people might yeah. ask like, Oh, what does that mean? You know? And so influencer for me is a little bit more of a defined answer. And I think at this point, most people know what an influencer is. Yeah. It's, it's very true. It's just kind of a controversial word in the the space i guess right because it sounds weird to say that you influence people for a living right but it's i also like a slap in the face because influencers work really hard right right yeah 100 percent. and i do i i really do multiple different things and like i want to influence people that I, i'm not really offended by it's really the reaction i know i might get from other people you know yeah. like the idea of influencing people doesn't necessarily like I'm influenced by people that I look up to. Mm-hmm. So if someone chooses to look up to me in any type of way, I I want to influence you to do better and to do good and to help yeah. others and to live your best. Like that's, that's something I would like to do. It's more or less just saying that. And then, you know, depending on the age of the person or what they've, their experiences with people, you know, they just kind of will like lump you into, mm-hmm. Oh, especially being maybe a female's different being like, Oh, like, Okay, what's your what's your OnlyFans <laughs> like kind of yeah. You know what I mean? I don't know. Yeah, totally. just the assumptions. Okay, really moving along quick. Yeah, I don't deal with that one. You don't? No. Oh my god, the amount <laughs> you do TikTok? 
Uh, a little bit, yeah. Okay, on TikTok is where I get it the most because a video, I don't know how familiar, like, a lot of people have it, but they don't use the app too much, but, like, on that For You page, I post a video, and it gets on the For You page, and so it's these people who have never seen you, heard of you, nothing, and they're suddenly seeing this one little clip of you, yeah. and so, I mean, you see a girl living in a van and stuff, I mean, immediately, like, the financial assumptions of just the fact that I have an OnlyFans, and, like, them digging, at one point, they were, like, trying to figure out how I paid, which, I, you know, I'm, like, sleeping or something, like, I'm not, I don't, I'm not looking at my phone to answer questions all the time, so somebody had asked how I could afford the van, and somebody said that it was obviously, like, my rich parents, which it was not, but that's, like, a common thing, it doesn't even phase me anymore, but then they started, like, searching my last name on LinkedIn and I think they found my uncle or like somebody and they start having this like entire conversation of the fact that my dad owns a company and he's like a COO of this and he's like I, was like, I don't even know who you guys are talking about like you know like I check it in the morning I'm just like what is going on and so yeah it's just I, I think you know you see a, I, I know I've seen men have the same assumptions about them as well about their parents but mm -hmm. it's either sugar daddy only fans or I just have like the richest parents of all time who just pay for everything yeah. for me to skate through life. Yeah, for sure. So, but yeah. I feel like TikTok is quite a bit worse than Instagram for that. Oh, stuff. for sure. Like, like comments get a lot more traction. Right. Yeah. Yeah. A huge part of videos on TikTok is the comment section. And I'm yeah. equal part of that. Like if I see a funny video, I'm running to the comment section to see what people are saying because TikTok has such a fantastic sense of humor that you, I mean, it's, it usually amplifies the video tenfold. Yeah. So, and obviously not the cruel comments. I'm not supporting those, but just like yeah. the sense the of humor there. Stuff. Yeah. yeah. The, just so witty. Oh my God. It's so good. Okay. So to start kind of just wrapping it up, what if somebody were to look at your life and it looks very idealistic, like, you know, all they see is you in beautiful places. And what, let me just phrase it, uh, and they, they wish that they could do exactly what you're doing. Like, what advice would you give to that person, the people that want to see, oh, I already asked this, basically. Okay, never mind. No, it's, it's a good question. I no, ended, I, well, I, I ended it by saying, like, see more of the world, but they, they don't think they can, which I kind of already asked, but like. Well, it was financial the last time. Yeah, that's true. But more or less people looking at it thinking that it's something that it likely is not, you know? Okay. You know what I mean? Does this make sense? That last section, not so much. What do you, <laughs> what do you mean? Like, thinking that it's not? I, I'm sure that people look at your profile and think that you are just traveling, traveling the world. But they For might sure. not see the, like, the struggles, the downsides, yeah. the loss, the sacrifice. Mm -hmm. Like, what are some of the sacrifices that you think that you've had to make? make? Like, some of the, the more... I'm sure it's small and I'm sure you're, you do it because it's worth it. But like some of the suffering, some of the loss, like whether it be time with your family or stability or, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, totally. Yeah. Overall, I think I, I, I feel really grateful to be where I'm at. Like I, it's such an amazing job that I don't think there's really that many downsides. Mm -hmm. That being said, the two aspects that I really don't like about my job, and I have friends that love these aspects. Yeah. It just depends on the type of pe person you are. I don't like negotiating with clients. Yeah. I, I don't like spending a ton of time on computers, you know, negotiating with clients. Sometimes clients are really easy. Sometimes they expect the world out of you, blah, blah, blah. That's, that's probably one of the toughest things for mm -hmm. me to get excited about for my job and editing. Like in, editing photos, anything in front of a computer, I don't like. So that's that's kind of editing, and that's yeah. also answering emails. You don't see how much time goes into how much like negotiating I have to do back and forth, especially when it's like a big client, like 
Chevy or something like that. Yeah. There's so many cooks in the kitchen and you're talking to like, you know, moderator, like agent that they've hired. Yeah. So you're never really actually talking to the client. You kind of have to wait for it to go like back and forth. And right. Playing like telephone, you know? Yeah. But yeah, so there's a lot of frustration that goes into that type of stuff. Uh-huh. And that type of stuff is very real because I need that revenue to keep doing what I'm doing. So, yeah. Yeah. That's definitely something that you wouldn't see when you're looking at my account and editing for me. Like I literally, I'm the laziest editor because I just, it's partly because I don't want to make the photo look unreal. I want to make it look exactly how I saw it. Yeah. So lots of times it doesn't warrant much editing, mm-hmm. but also like, I just start falling asleep. Like I'm not, I'm not inspired yeah. when, I, when I edit. And what I get really excited about is the experience of being there. Mm-hmm. Capturing it also at times is really exciting for me too. Mm-hmm. But that's when I have the camera in front of my eye mm-hmm. and I can look at it on the back of the camera. I'm like, yes. When I, when I put it on the computer, although sometimes the shot's so epic, I'm excited to see it again. Most of the excitement comes from being in the moment. Right. That's by far the best part of my job. And I even love the researching part of the job. Like when I find somewhere new, like this Mm -hmm. crazy volcano in Japan that I'd never heard of, like that is maybe some of the the best part of my job is like, it's just getting excited about what the future could hold. Right. And then after the experience is done, it's harder for me to share it online. It's harder for me to edit it. Yeah. Things like that. Are you more or less like onto the next, like you're looking for the next big thing? Oh, yeah. Is that what it is? Yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah, I'm on to the next big thing, like, so quick after. But so I guess it sounds like, you know, you kind of know how it is. Yeah. It's interesting you call it out like that. Yeah, but it's not a very exciting answer, but that's what I would say, like, the less glamorous side of my job. But overall, like, if, if, if someone's wanting to do exactly what I'm doing, like, that in and of itself is a terrible way to go about it. Because right. I'm doing what I'm doing, as in I'm being me. If you want to be me, you're going to fail because you're not. Yeah. You know, oh my like God, I say this all the time. I love it. I love that. But that's like how to be a successful influencer is like, you can't be somebody else. You yeah. can't look at some, someone else online and think, oh man, they're exactly who I want to be. I'm just going to be them. You know, right. like, you'll get seen through very, very quickly. So I like for like you brought up Napoleon Dynamite, like that's me. Yeah. Like that's as me as it gets. Mm-hmm. Although it was super out of left field and people bring that up pretty consistently. Like, why the heck did you do that? I'm like, I don't know. I just got to do stuff like that sometimes. Yeah. And, and that's, that's what I'm saying. Like, if you want to do what I do, then be you like, don't try to replicate. Yeah. What don't I'm be doing. me. Um, like you got to take it overarching. Like, I guess I'm successful on there because I'm like self-indulgent to the extreme. Right. Like I'm, I'm not afraid to do weird things and publish them because I think it's relatable when you're like kind of eccentric and weird. I think everyone yeah, is I, like that. And right. most people don't feel comfortable enough to put it out there. Right. So when somebody does put it out there, it's, it's kind of, it's interesting, right. Interesting. Or, you know, the weirder you are, the more entertaining in some Right. Ways. Well, I think it's interesting because everybody is that way. It's just that most people are that way behind closed doors that they would never put that on Instagram. Totally. But yeah, I there's there's definitely that in the van life. Well, there's first of all people who I think live in vans for the sake of Instagram. I'm like, "Well, you're you're not going to love living in a van if you're not passionate about living in the van." You know what I mean? Like I mm-hmm. you're just not going to like it. There's just no sense in you and you spending so much money and time and effort and everything just to get into something for the potential of growing Instagram. 
Mm-hmm. And they just go for the same shots in the same places and things like that, which is also fine. I like, I, you know, it's not like that, that, that doesn't bother me. What bothers me is that they are missing the most exciting part of things, which is like, you know, when you are, you're entirely yourself, I'm like, I'm being me and I'm doing something. And then I see somebody do the exact same thing where it's like, it doesn't bother me. Somebody copying, I'm not 12, but at the same time, it's, it's bothering me that like, you're, you're missing the point, you know, like I'm, mm-hmm. I'm not doing this so that you do it. I'm doing this so that you feel inspired to like, do it your way. Like, do you, like I'm doing me so that you do you, you know? Yeah. And I think some people kind of uh, miss that a little bit. Oh yeah. 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 You're totally right. Yeah. Okay. So where can people find you if they're not already following you? Um, Instagram is where I live mainly. It's ever changing horizon. I mm. guess I have a van account. It's uh, Quinn's van. Mm-hmm. Very, I can't believe that was available. Creative. Pretty solid. <laughs> I'm sure Sydney's van is there too. Yeah, don't know. That's the thing. Like, <laughs> uh, yeah, I think pretty much any name van probably exists. Yeah. No, yeah, but uh, yeah, no, Quinn's van. I, I post more like nitty gritty updates there, like mm-hmm. little projects and stuff. And yeah, Ever Changing Horizon, Facebook, TikTok, all that stuff. Is there any other way people can support you besides following you? No. No, no. I mean, my OnlyFans is uh... your OnlyFans, yeah. Slash Quinn's van, just yeah. him in the van, you know, <laughs> revealing clothes in yeah. the van. Mm-hmm. Love that. Would do great. <laughs> okay, and I'd ask this at the end of every episode: What is your favorite book or a book that you recommend? Sounds bad, but I don't really read books. Okay, I, I listened <laughs> to one when I was driving through Columbia because the roads suck there so bad. It was a lot longer than expected. Did you say you listened to one because the road sucked so bad? Well, what I'm saying is like, there was a lot more road time than expected. Mm -hmm. Like you search Google Maps from like Medellin to Quito. It's like 10 hours. Yeah. It took 30. Okay. So that's what I'm saying. I had a lot more time. Yeah. The, The Steve Jobs book was amazing. Okay. Is it like an autobiography of him or something? It's, it's a biography of him. Okay. And he was just so controversial and like nitpicky and really just kind of a dick yeah but i love how honest it is and i just i don't know i I drew a lot of inspiration from him and Mm -hmm. and that's one of the reasons why i did a van i did another van after that trip was like he was just so nitpicky and the smallest details mattered so much Mm -hmm. clearly they did because they were so successful so i just wanted to really indulge in the similar way that steve jobs did with Mm -hmm. like nitpicky design into a van and it was quarantine so mm-hmm. good right so no i i unfortunately don't read too many books like no, i that's said a, that's a good one i my reading comprehension is pretty bad but hey audio listen to podcasts yeah what's your favorite podcast crime junkie probably oh my god i love <laughs> i love my I favorite murder too yeah. that actually led me to a question i wanted to ask and i totally forgot about who do you think is one of your biggest like heroes whether it be personal life or business or instagram or f- photographer couple people that you like really look up to man you can't surprise me with that. <laughs> surprise you i surprise you with every question i think <laughs> the podcast one was a lot easier yeah i mean it sounds like you in in certain ways looked up to steve jobs and the way that his brain worked maybe not his personality as much yeah that's the thing like that's why i liked it he was such like an anti-hero mm-hmm. you know and if, I feel like that's kind of how like all movies and tv shows are now that shows like the hero is actually being pretty flawed Right. And that is inspiring in a way. But um, yeah, probably Michael Scott, I guess. Shut up. Stop. I, I probably don't know. <laughs> yeah. 
Oh my god, I love Michael Scott. Yeah. He's a pretty good hero. He's honestly probably the most influential person in my life. Wow. Yeah, I mean, I just watch it constantly. Yeah. yeah. But I mean, that's he's, a pretty big statement. Who's your hero? Michael Scott. <laughs> yeah. I yeah. feel like we're seeing the Napoleon Dynamite uh, Quinn come out. Yeah, I'm really into movies and, and TV shows and stuff like that. And, and I think it's really influenced how I approach social media i approach mm-hmm. it more of like in an office format where i like yeah. create characters and, and like i don't know I, i'm kind of like entertaining an audience i see i see my account as mainly like an entertainment factor mm-hmm. you know yeah maybe maybe i'm more than that to some people but i don't like to think of it like that i just like to think of like showing up like creating new episodes creating new posts yeah and maintaining the same characters, pushing them into different directions. Mm-hmm. By characters, I mean like type of posts or photography. Like, right? You know, maybe like I've I've published this before on my account, but like Dwight Schrute was like the first character on The Office mm-hmm. that that I noticed was actually like funny. Right. The first time I watched, I was like, "Is this supposed to be funny? Like, right. This is kind of weird." And then finally, he says something. I'm like, "Oh, that's that's good. That's yeah." Funny. Dwight so, is amazing. So I think. My Dwight Schrute equivalent on my account is like sketchy stuff, like dangerous looking stuff. You mentioned yeah. it before, like climbing the sketchy ridge in Switzerland. You know, it was like it was one of the craziest things I've done. And I got probably like 40,000 followers from that post. Really? Because it was so just visually, I don't know. Just so many people resonated with it, right? Yeah. So that's kind of like what I'm saying. Like Dwight was like the intro to The Office for me to be mm-hmm. like, okay, this is actually a pretty good show. That's like the intro where I I, I generate more viewers. Yeah. And then I have like kind of some less, not interesting, but less grabby posts that are more just like pristine nature. It's right. not like me like risking my life, but that's needed for it to be a well-rounded channel like mine Mm -hmm. so like in the same way like i don't think i would really like the office just with dwight right i I think it needs michael i think it needs jim and pam all that stuff right like to really bounce off of each other right so i feel that like it sounds cheesy but like i think michael scott in some ways has really influenced where i'm at right yeah just just understanding what makes a good character what makes a good story and applying that into like my own craft yeah. You know, because that's all I'm doing is telling stories, even with like, right. van life architecture. It's it's telling a story. Right. Wow. So I don't know. I get I get pretty deep with like stupid things like that, but I think it's in fantastic. Our reality, it's it's it is my reality. Yeah. So that's you know, most people really hate that I spend so much time rewatching a stupid show <laughs> like that. Like they, they just maybe they like it, but they think it's absolutely ridiculous that I spend so much time on it. But I get something out of it every time. See, so. and that's, I, I, I talk about it in a silly way, Grey's Anatomy, a lot. Like, it's just like, I um, it's just a background show, but I I can't watch that show with it not. It pulls something out of me every single time. Like, I, it, a lot of emotions. Also, Chanda Rhimes, everyone knows, is like my absolute queen in life. She's the best writer of all time. And so I hear things that she has put into the show. Obviously, she has a team of people and stuff, but she comes up with a lot. And I pay close attention to her and I can always just tell, yeah, little like nuggets of here and there. And yeah, I think her herself and her writing, but then the characters in the show and all of that have, it's done a very similar thing for me as The Office has for you. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, sweet. Well, thanks for doing this. I very much appreciate you. Yeah, thanks for inviting me into your home. Thanks for inviting me to your driveway. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, well, this was fun. And yeah, follow an ever-changing horizon. Bye, guys. Bye.